Welcome to the City Alliance Church Podcast. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our messages. Our prayer is that you would listen, learn, and be inspired to love God, love others, and serve the world. Subscribe and share these messages to bless others. Here's this week's message. Good morning, and welcome to City Alliance. Welcome to Facebook people that are watching. We appreciate that as well. Um, I just want to uh, let you know that uh, we are continuing in our series, Work as Worship. And uh, we've been uh, doing some different things over the last few weeks, but today we're going to complete that series. My name is Kyle Hunter, and uh, my wife Martha and I are happy to have City Alliance as our church home. Um, I serve as an elder here, and uh, Martha and I together uh, work in City Kids teaching fourth and fifth grade. So that's kind of uh, how we landed here, uh, how I landed up here. Um, this isn't my normal thing, um, but, um, you know, when Nithin's laid up, somebody's got to come up to the plate, so I'm here. Uh, over the last few weeks, uh, we've been doing some different things in our church, and Keith mentioned about our celebration last, year, or last week, and that was a great time to celebrate what God has done through this church and ministry. And so we were praising God for those things that he's done for us in the past. But we also used that as an opportunity to begin to focus on our future. And uh, we saw the importance of staying grounded in Christ and having him as our anchor. And so this week, uh, we're going back to the work as worship series. And we're following up what we talked about the first two weeks of that series. Um, Initially, we went all the way back to the book of Genesis. And in Genesis, we saw that part of God's design was for us to work. And that that work was to give us purpose as people and an opportunity to glorify and magnify him. In our second week in that series, uh, we kind of switched directions a little bit. And we saw that work has been corrupted. Just like all of our world is broken, the world of work is broken. But with God's help, we as Christians can redeem our work and make it once again be for the things that God has intended it. So to finish our series this week, we're going to talk about working in the name of Jesus, and we're going to look at three aspects of Christ-centered work. Now along the way, in case you were worried that it was all going to come from me, uh, we have three experts that are going to help us with this this morning. Uh, Izzy Sanders... Um, Nick Hessert and Josh Mozug are going to help us uh, kind of understand better how we can live in a way that reflects Christ at our workplace. So um, that's kind of where we're headed. Um, I want to begin by reading from Colossians chapter 3 and verse 17. And in Colossians 3:17, it says, Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of Jesus, giving thanks to the God, to God our Father through him. Whatever you do, do it all in the name of Jesus. We're going to take that apart a little bit. And uh, one of the things I want you to understand about what that really means, because I've thought a lot about that, um, names to us uh, are important. And so when we're doing everything we're supposed to in the name of Jesus, It means that our connection and our association with Jesus is most important. And I think um, we all associate 
um, different things with names. Uh, for example, uh, when we name our children, sometimes we name them after somebody that we think a lot of. And we're hoping that that association will uh, translate into them being like that person somehow. Or I think some parents name their kids in really unique ways because they want to instill that association with their child that they're unique. When I was born, believe it or not, my parents named me Lyle. That was my name at birth. Um, I don't know how you think about that, but that, that, that doesn't really excite me. Um, <laughs> after a short period of time, days or maybe a week, I don't really remember because I was pretty little, um, my parents renamed me, and they changed my name to Kyle because a friend suggested that. <laughs> I think if I would have stayed Lyle, my life would be completely different. I know for one thing, I would have associated my name with a sense of inferiority and being left out. And you say, why? Well, my siblings' names all start with a K. So my parents would have been calling us and they would have said, Keith, Kurt, Lyle, Carrie, you know, come to the supper table. I would have felt completely isolated and alone. That's what I would have associated with that name. So name associations are important. And the name that I most want to be associated with as a Christian is the name Jesus. So when I read this verse in Colossians 3.17, and I'm supposed to do everything in the name of Jesus, I think that's pretty important. Doing everything in the name of Jesus actually means that whatever we're doing in our daily lives, our daily routines, whatever we go about doing, it should be done in light of our relationship with Christ. That should be the emphasis and the motivation of everything that we do. There shouldn't be anything in our lives that isn't under the influence of Christ. Nothing's off limits to him. That's the challenge that God gives us to do everything in the name of Jesus. This idea of doing everything in the name of Jesus comes at a crucial point. And so does this stand. Hold on a minute here. My eyesight isn't good enough to see more than about 12 inches. That's the one. It'll just be 10 minutes or so, don't worry. Okay, meanwhile, back at the sermon. Um, yeah, this instruction to do everything in the name of Jesus comes at a crucial point. Uh, in the book of Colossians. Uh, the Apostle Paul wrote the book of Colossians. He wrote it to the saints that were in the city of Colossians, or Colossae. Uh, he had never met them, but he loved them, and he had an interest in them, and he wanted them to uh, follow Christ and have everything they needed for that. So in the first two chapters of Colossians, Paul talks a lot about the greatness of Christ. He explains how... Um, Christ was involved in the creation, how Christ is equal with God, how Christ has authority over everything that he created, and how actually everything's being held together because of Christ's power. He also explained and portrays Christ as the one who's made it possible for us to be reconciled to God, 
Through his death on the cross, we can attain forgiveness for our sins. And that forgiveness opens up the path to having our relationship with God restored. Uh, last week, Pastor Nithin explained a little bit about how we could have our relationship with God and how we could believe in Jesus for the forgiveness of our sin. And he actually led us through a prayer if we chose to make that decision. I want to encourage you, if you've been thinking about that, but you haven't made that decision yet, I want to encourage you to follow through and, and decide for Christ. Uh, you could ask me if you're having trouble or one of the people on the prayer team at the end of the service. Um, I don't think there's a more important decision that you could make than the decision to have Christ forgive you of your sin and become a part of his family. So if we're doing everything in the name of Jesus, um, I think this means that that would include our work. Because we spend such a significant amount of our time doing work that um, how could we do everything in the name of Jesus and then leave work out of it? So we want to take a look this morning at three key aspects of our work being Christ-centered. And uh, we read about these three aspects in Colossians 3, 22 through 4, 1. Colossians 3, 22 through 4, 1. And it says, Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything. And do it not only when their eye is on you and to win their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord and not for men. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be pay, repaid for his wrong, and there is no favoritism. Masters, provide your slaves with what is right and fair, because you know that you also have a master in heaven. One of the first reactions that I have when I read a passage like that is to say, what's up with these words, masters and slaves? That's pretty offensive language. And in our culture, in our country, rightfully so. But I um, want you to understand that the slavery that was present um, during this time in the Roman Empire when Paul wrote this letter was a little different from the slavery that we know about. Uh, it's estimated that between 10 and 15% of the whole population at that time was enslaved. And people became slaves for different reasons. If I had a huge debt that I couldn't settle, I could sell myself into slavery to get out from under that debt. Some people chose to be slaves rather than to be free because their, their choice of being a slave provided them with more security. The slavery that existed in the United States at the founding of our country was what we call chattel slavery. That's slavery where a particular race of people were kidnapped, essentially, and then enslaved. And so there are differences between the two. And the main point that I want to make, though, about this passage is it's really not about the institution of slavery. It's about having proper work attitudes and behaviors, both on the part of employees and those that are in authority over them. So this morning, as we begin to think about um, work as worship and the three key um, 
aspects of Christ-centered work. We're going to hear uh, on video now uh, from Izzy Sanders, who uh, works at uh, Williamsport Middle School as an eighth grade student. We're also going to hear uh, from Nick Hessert, who works as a sixth grade science teacher at Loyal Sock Middle School, pretty much all about middle school, um, except for Josh Muzug, who uh, works as a stay-at-home dad at home. And um, he also has some side jobs, uh, like he's our videographer for the church, and uh, he also does woodworking. So I've asked them to tell us how they try to live for Christ in their workplace, and uh, let's hear what they have to say on the videos. Good morning, City Lions. I'm Izzy Sanders. Colossians 3, 22 through 25 conveys the idea that work is worthy worship and requires both integrity and wholeheartedness. It should be done consistently and with our best efforts. Humanity spends about one-third of their lives working. That's over 90,000 hours. Believe it or not, kids work too. I strive daily at school to complete all my work with my best efforts. I have four core classes every day, not including unified arts, orchestra, choir, and sports after school hours. We spend so many hours in class each day, which adds up to a lot of assignments. This means I spend a lot of time doing schoolwork. So, how does one do schoolwork to the glory of God? I set aside time for homework after practice every day, work with my best effort in and outside of class, and ask for help when I need it. In conclusion, you can even be a reflection of the glory of God based on the way you treat your teachers, your peers, and the way you complete your work. My name is Nick Hesser, and Monday through Friday, I am known as Mr. Hesser, as I am a teacher at Loyal Sock Middle School, where I teach sixth grade science. Work isn't always enjoyable and can be hard and frustrating and stressful, but yet in Christ and through scriptures, uh, we have um, structures and examples that help us do that and do that well. Working with integrity is um, very challenging as a teacher. Um, especially uh, when you're wedged between administrators, um, whether it's principal or superintendent, um, but then students who um, are under your care, under your supervision, um, and you're charged to teach them and teach them well. When decisions shaped by uh, local or state policy were likely created by someone that may not know the difference between a proton and a pro, uh, protozoa, um, but yet those are the standards that we're meant to follow in obeying and serving the Lord. Um, those are the standards and the policies that we follow. It can also be challenging to work wholeheartedly. Um, for me, that's personally more of an attitude thing. Some days, uh, depending on the circumstances, uh, you know, showing up and working hard um, just aren't as easy as other days where things go smoothly um, and you have to work through the kinks um, and uh, whether it's a challenging student or the fire drill in the middle of your day when you weren't planning on it and then working um, in, a, in a way that is just and fair what is fair for one student may not be fair for another. Um, to me, fairness is not things being equal all the time, but what is right for um, that individual. A practice that I value in the workplace is apologizing when you're wrong. Um, we like it when people apologize to us for things not going well, so I think it's right that we also practice that. 
Um, I think that is really important when it comes to relationships, specifically with my students, admitting that even though I'm an adult and I'm a teacher, I make mistakes. Um, I think it's also really important with your coworkers, your colleagues, your administrators to admit whatever offense it may have been or error and to use that as the learning opportunity to move forward. Um, and I also see this as uh, an act of worship um, uh, during the, the nine to five, if you will, of work. Hi, I'm Josh Mozug. Uh, I'm a woodworker and a videographer. I like to be behind the camera, so this is weird for me. But my main role right now is being a stay-at-home dad to my kids who are four and almost two. Um, I'd say, like a lot of people, I'm prone to have a performance-based mindset, finding my value and identity in uh, what I accomplish in the day-to-day. -day. Uh, so being a parent reveals a lot of things about ourselves, and uh, this specifically came to the surface for me as a stay-at-home dad. Uh, raising my kids every day is a challenge in that I don't have you know, any of the typical metrics to measure how I'm doing at the job. Uh, woodworking gives me the satisfaction of using my hands to make something tangible, and videography gives me the joy of each step of the creative process, ultimately bringing ideas together in a cohesive final video. Pouring time and effort into raising my kids doesn't have the same performance indicators that motivate me in uh, most of the other areas of life. I often think about Mary and Martha in the Bible. Uh, Mary chooses to sit at the feet of Jesus while Martha is distracted by preparing their home. She gets aggravated and Jesus reminds her that being with him is uh, more important than doing for him. There are a lot of lessons I take from this passage, but related to my life as a dad and being prone to overvalue productivity, um, I'm reminded that presence with my kids and doing things with them rather than just for them is incredibly important. Um, certainly there are things that need to happen every day, um, but pausing from household tasks to color with my kids or dance in the living room uh, helps me keep perspective and reminds me that God desires uh, for us to do life with Him and not just work for Him. I really believe our kids are capable of being thoughtful, kind, and helpful. I want to instill in them a love for God and a love for others in their day-to-day -day and to value being with people. I don't always know what that looks like, but we found little ways to serve together and to try to carve out time each week to do something thoughtful for people we love and care about. Being at home with my kids is tough work, but it's taught me so much about slowing down, being available, remaining flexible, and knowing that my value doesn't come from how much I contribute monetarily or from checking things off a to-do list. Um, being someone who has had a lot of creative goals personally throughout the years, God has used time with my kids to take steps back and prioritize presence with them over my own productivity. My worth in Christ doesn't result from my personal performance or productivity, but from His love. And He invites us to sit at His feet and do likewise. Let's give them a round of applause. I appreciate uh, those insights that were shared with us about how to make uh, our work pleasing to God. There are three key aspects of having our work be Christ-centered. And the first aspect is that Christ-centered work is done with integrity. The second is that Christ-centered work is done wholeheartedly. And the third is that Christ-centered work is focused on fairness. So we want to take a look at each of those quickly that are talked about in these verses. Uh, integrity is a word that we throw around a lot. It's like, oh, you lack integrity. Oh, that person really has integrity. What does it mean? Well, I think integrity, first of all, means that we do try to do our best, that we don't uh, stop at good enough, but we try to do things with excellence. 
I think integrity, uh, according to the verses, also uh, is something that we should do all of the time. We should do all the things that we're asked, whether or not our employer is watching us. That's integrity. I've heard people say, integrity is what you're like when, it's, when you're in the dark and nobody sees you. That's, that's the real person that we are, is the person of, if we're a person of integrity. I really liked what Izzy had to say in her video because uh, it really talked about integrity. Uh, she spends a certain portion of time every day. She schedules it to do her homework. She tries as her best she can to stay focused in class and to be a good student. But then she also said that when she doesn't understand something, she gets help. I mean, those are things that you do if you want to perform with excellence as a student. And they do bring glory to God. And I, I wanted that included because I think a lot of times, uh, like middle school kids or elementary kids or uh, high school or college students think, well, I'm just a student. Someday I'll work, but this doesn't apply to me. It does apply to you. Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about how you perform at school in terms of giving it your best effort? How that reflects on the Jesus that you love? If you haven't, I want to encourage you to do that and think about ways in which you could be um, more a person of integrity at your work, which is school. Speaking of school, um, when I, okay, this is going to be a while ago, all right? I actually did student teaching at one point in my life, okay? So back when I was a student teacher, um, our professor told us the story about another student teacher that lacked integrity. This guy had his class the first couple of days. He sat down with them, and he had them work on a canned lesson. I mean, they practiced that thing every day for a little while. And he essentially told them, like, what questions they should ask him. He told them how to answer his questions. And once they had it perfected, what they got in exchange for that was, like, a free pass. Like, they could just do whatever they wanted in class. So he prepped one lesson, and that was it. Well, the day came when he was observed, and the class went flawlessly. Like, there were no problems at all. But then a couple of days later, my professor returned to observe him again. And this time he came unannounced. And there wasn't time to prep another canned lesson. And the class was a disaster. And the student teacher, as a consequence of his actions, ended up failing his student teaching semester. And he became an example for all the other people that followed him. Um, but I think that uh, sometimes we, we are under the opinion that if we can just keep up a good image and people can see us doing stuff well at times, that's good enough. We really never know when the key time's gonna be there. We really never know when that integrity needs to show up. Uh, some of you have probably watched the TV show, um, uh, what's it called? What's it called? Undercover Boss. You can tell I watch it a lot. Um, <laughs> but I think the premise of the show is something like uh, a CEO or uh, owner of a company embeds himself at like a frontline job in the company. And then... Um, he works alongside employees, and 
as he's working, he's kind of observing and seeing how it goes and how the employees perform. And then at some point, he reveals his identity, right? And then after that, either employees are rewarded for their hard work or they're reprimanded. And, you know, God's not our undercover boss because he's upfront about it. But we really should live in a way as if our work is being observed by God all the time because it is. And we should understand that the audience that we work for is an audience of one. And he's the one that's going to reward or correct or punish us for our work. And so that makes a, different, a difference in how we approach our work. It's not just for my earthly employer, it's for my Savior. A second uh, aspect of Christ-centered work is wholeheartedness. To be wholehearted means that you're all in. Um, when you work wholeheartedly, you work with a good attitude. And you are enthusiastic and high energy, and you just want to do your best and bring glory to your uh, employer or the situation. When people work like that, it really stands out. I mean, I think employers and fellow workers are like, wow, this guy's all in. Look at the energy level he has. On the other hand, when people don't work that way, it's really difficult. I had an uh, opportunity to teach at Williamsport High School, and the very first day I worked, the guy that taught in the room next to me, he said, I have two years and, I don't know, 300 classes left, and I'm out of here. And I was like, wow, this is my first day. Um, if that's how I have to look at this. This is going to be tough, right? He wasn't wholehearted. He was just looking for an out. I really like what Josh had to say in his little piece. Um, because what Josh focuses on in his parenting is not on some kind of result that's tangible or on some kind of performance-based parenting. He's parenting his kids with ultimately the attitude that he wants them to have a relationship with God to love God and to love others. And that's the priority that he has. And that kind of an attitude demonstrates to me all in parenting, the kind of parenting that God would want us to be involved in. I'm sure there's times when stuff becomes overwhelming for all of us. Parenting's tough. Most of our jobs are tough. But if we can do this, if we can remember what Jesus has done for us, the great person that he is, and we decide to live our lives in light of him, I think that should motivate us to be more positive in our workplace. He's put us there. He's the one that wants to use us there. I had a friend uh, who used to own his own garage, and he worked as a mechanic there for himself and by himself. And through different circumstances, he ended up having to get rid of his business and go work for somebody else. And I saw him a couple of months into his new jobs, and I said, um, you know, how's your job going? And he said something that totally blew me away. He said, I like my job, but I decided I was going to like my job before I started it. Can you hear the wholeheartedness in that? Like he was all in before he even had the job. And I think when we work with that kind of an attitude, it does attract other people to Christ, and it definitely pleases him. 
The third thing that is a key aspect of Christ-centered work is fairness. And fairness, um, if we're employers, and I guess specifically if you're a boss of a company, fairness would mean providing righteous actions and being fair in how you handle your employees. I think Christian employers have a unique opportunity to show their employees the love of Christ. I mean, they have free reign to do things that are going to point them to Christ. And when we are even-handed in dealing with employees, and we also make decisions for our company, not just based on the bottom line, but based on how that's going to affect our employees, then we're being um, people that are fair. And I think that that kind of decision-making is not just good business, I think it's good Christianity too. And that's what Christ is calling us to do. I um, realize that many of you are not bosses of your own company, but I think you, there are a lot of us that still have roles where we supervise others. And I like what Nick had to say in his piece about how he feels a lot of times caught in between people that are supervising him and then the students that he's supervising through teaching. And um, it's a tough place to be sometimes. But I like the thing that he said at the end that I think really demonstrates his fairness. He said, when something goes wrong and it's my fault, I apologize for it. In other words, he owns it. He doesn't say, oh, you guys all failed that test. It's your fault. No, he's owning the part that's his. And I think that's a great aspect of fairness that Nick's bringing to his classroom. When we're able to be fair in the job place, I think what we do is we actually show an extension of God's fairness, goodness, and grace to us. We've been shown tremendous amounts of grace and mercy. If you know Christ is your Savior and your sin's been forgiven, do you realize how much goodness God has shown you? If we're able to be fair in the workplace, we can extend that to other people and point them to Christ. So here's what I know. Work is worship, and we're to do that in the name of Jesus. Our work is to be Christ-centered, so it should be done with integrity, wholeheartedness, and fairness. What I don't know is how that applies to you. You see, you got, we're in way different places every day, all of us. There are a couple of us that work at the same place maybe, but for the most part, we are spread out. And so I'm going to give opportunity in a little while for you to have a time to reflect and think about how this message should change you in your workplace. But I've had the opportunity to do that ahead of time because I've been working on this sermon for a while. And I'll be honest with you, I thought, man, I'm the wrong guy to do this. I mean, after all, I just, I'd, I'd retired in December of 2020, and I don't even have a job per se. So you got a non-working guy talking about working. <laughs> but I came to realize this. My vocation as a math professor ended, but my work has not. And God has called me and placed me in different situations where I can do work and bring glory to him. 
One of those things is I get to help people in ways that I could never help them before. And it seems like one of the things that I'm gifted in is moving people. So I've been able to help a lot of people move. Um, I've also been able to help people with projects and fix things and, you know, just all kinds of that stuff when no one else is available, I am. Uh, I've been able to continue working in City Kids, teaching the fourth and fifth grade class. Um, And since retirement, I've been able to start and lead a city group and also become more involved in leadership at church. And my most recent new way to be working is that I now teach kindergarten math to my granddaughter, Callie, which is an awesome opportunity. What God has shown me is that all of these are opportunities for me to live out a purpose in my life, but also to be able to magnify him. And if you're retired or about to retire or you just have a bunch of time on your hands and you don't really know what to do with yourself, I want to encourage you to say yes to God when he gives you opportunities to help others and to serve him. Because it will definitely give you purpose and it will give you opportunities to please him. The key for me in all of this has been to say yes And that is one thing that I did before I retired. Here we go. I decided before I retired that I was going to say yes if I had the capability and wasn't going to be overcommitted. And I think God is honoring that and blessing me, and I think he would bless you if you said yes too. So our work puts us in a variety of places. Work that's done in the name of Jesus does reflect Jesus to our world. And because we are in so many different places, when we work in a way that reflects Christ, we become God's ambassador in that place that we're in. And people are drawn to Christ through us, through our behavior and our attitudes. So, When you think about all of this, I think you have to conclude with me that work is more than a paycheck. It's an opportunity to worship God. I want to give you just a minute to reflect on the things that we've talked about. I don't know about you, but like I sit out there most of the time, so... I think, you know, a lot of times in a sermon there's been so much and I just haven't been able to quiet myself and think about how it applies to me. So I'm going to ask everybody to bow their heads and close their eyes. And uh, for just a couple of minutes, we're going to create a space so that you can think through ways that you believe the Holy Spirit is talking to you to change your work ethic or behavior or attitude. And then at the conclusion of that, I'll close in prayer.
God, thank you for your wisdom. Thank you for ordaining work as a way to bring glory to you. Help us as we strive to be obedient to you. Help us tomorrow morning when we go to work to be the kind of people that will work in the name of Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us. We pray that today's message encouraged and inspired you. If you live in the Williamsport region of PA, we'd love to engage you in person. You can find more information on service times, city groups, and our incredible kids and youth ministry at citylions.org. That's citylions.org.